Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you guys are doing well. It's really good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you who are in the house, in the room, I want to thank those of you who are joining live online today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Ezekiel. You can turn to Ezekiel, and then we'll be in Romans, Ezekiel 34, and then Romans chapter 13 here in a few minutes. Uh, for the fifth year in a row, uh, we are faced in our community uh, with the idea of a storm coming up the coast of Florida and heading towards us. I never thought in a year that we would hear about an invasion of murder wasps, that that would be the least impactful thing that we would face in our society. Uh, but it is 2020, as Cynthia said, and it is a ridiculously crazy year. And we are seeing all kinds of things in our world. And today uh, we are continuing our series uh, dealing with one of the things that we're seeing, and that is, is racism and prejudice and what the Bible has to say about racial reconciliation. And we're in week five. We've got one more week. Uh, next week, you're going to hear from a couple friends. I'm really excited about that uh, as we wrap up uh, next week. Last week, you heard from Jim uh, Daniel, one of our elders, and you heard from Cole Peterson, who's also been on our leadership teams before, and uh, just heard about their experience and also heard about what reconciliation looks like and what the Bible has to say about it. We've covered a lot of different topics over these past few weeks. Um, we've talked about what it means to pursue oneness. That that's from a biblical perspective, that's our goal, is pursuing oneness, not sameness, uh, but because God created us each unique. We talked about what it means to repent from this particular sin when we focused on Amos and his challenge to the nation of Israel and his challenge to us, God's challenge to us to repent from uh, when we see injustice and uh, when we see racism. Uh, we talked in week three about loving like Jesus and what it means to love like Jesus, and maybe perhaps the most practical of the, the messages in this series. And of course, last week we talked again about the experience of racism, uh, because I think that we need to understand that sometimes in our culture, and we talked about reconciliation. Today, I'm switching gears a little bit but it is definitely an issue that dovetails and stems into this and stems from it. And it's something that I saw immediately um, when this began back at the end of May. And I want to talk about a, uh, what I believe in the two diseases that we're facing as a culture right now with the disease of racism and the disease of COVID-19. I want to talk about how our, what is our response to that? Not only as the church, but as culture. And I think that when these issues have bubbled up, we've seen something very interesting about the human condition. And it's a two-pronged kind of message today uh, about authority. Because when I look at the response to racism and the response to these uh, racist uh, situations that we've seen over the past months, and when I see some people's response to COVID-19 and the, the indecision and the confusion about it, um, I, I think what it highlights is a two-pronged problem that we as a society have in terms of authority. I don't know about you, it, it took me a minute to watch the video of George Floyd. It took me a minute to watch what happened. I'd heard about it, people had told me about it, I read about it, but it took me a while to watch it. 
And then I did, and what I realized is, is that our world is faced with not only the issue of racism, but we are faced with a problem of authority. And I think we saw it in the George Floyd case. We see it when racism shows its ugly face in different parts of society, maybe in kind of the, the small rooms of society. It shows its face when our leaders make decisions, whether under normal circumstances or whether it's under these circumstances that we're in, to do something that leverages their authority for their good. We see it in the response, in the rioting, and in the violence, and the vandalism in the cities to this problem. We, listen, church, we have a problem with authority. We have major authority issues as a culture, as a people. And it stems back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve decided that they would rebel against God's authority. And so today I wanna to look at this authority issue from two perspectives. And the first one today is what I initially saw when I saw George Floyd and when I saw that officer and when I saw the massacre that was taking place in broad daylight, and that is the abuse of authority. The first issue that we have with authority is a, a, a problem or is a challenge with us abusing the authority that we as people have been given. It happens when our civic and when our government leaders, when law enforcement, when business leaders, but also when we as parents and when we as teachers, and yes, when we as pastors abuse the authority that God has given us. And when we leverage the authority that people have given us for our good, it's not just a problem today. This is a sin problem. This is a problem that has existed since the beginning of time. It's a problem that's existed all the way back in that garden. When we as humans chose to rebel against God and when we took just what little bit of authority that God had given us and we leveraged it for our good. We leveraged it for what we want. And there's this interesting time in the nation of Israel. We're gonna be taking a look at two different groups of people, an Old Testament group of people and a New Testament group of people. First, the Old Testament group of people. There was a period of time in the nation of Israel. By the way, the nation of Israel always, the Jewish people always struggled over what kind of leadership they wanted. They, they cycled through, they kind of toggled in terms of the type of leadership they wanted. They were never truly satisfied with the leadership that God set up. And there was a period of time when the nation of Israel was being led by what were called uh, shepherd leaders. And so we take a look at Ezekiel, and I want you to read and take a, look with how, uh, take a look with me at how all the way back in the Old Testament, God's people, the people that God put in authority over other people, were abusing the authority that they had been given. Check out verse 2 of Ezekiel 34. Son of man, this is the word of God, coming to this prophet who was going to be God's spokesman. He was going to be God's mouth to the nation of Israel prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. He says, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? 
You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. He says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Now, I love the picture of the shepherd in this case. And God is giving this word for Ezekiel to bring to the nation of Israel, but specifically, he is speaking to the people who are put in charge of tending the flock, if you will, of the nation of Israel. They're in charge like a shepherd is in charge of a, a f- flock of, of sheep to, to take care of that sheep. We, we just sang this song where we were giving God praise because he, he left the 99 to go seek the one that was lost. And you see, that's a beautiful picture of what God does with us when we are astray. The problem is, is that many times when we are giving, given the baton of leadership, we don't use that baton for the good and the welfare of the people who God charged us with overseeing. And this was happening here in the nation of Israel, and Ezekiel brings a word that collectively slaps their hand. He gets up in their nachos and is like, look, you guys have been taking advantage of this. You have been doing everything for yourself, and you've been doing nothing for the ones who were put under your care. It's interesting that shepherds are used, this illustration of sheep and shepherds, it's used all through Scripture, right? Jesus uses it. It was something that was common to the people of that time. But as time went on, shepherds kind of became like a blue-collar kind of like, you know, a job. But back in this day and age, shepherds were respected. Shepherds were at the top of the list of faithful people, people that you would entrust, because they had responsibility for, for something that produced much in the economy and in the homes and in the communities of that day. And so they were honest, they were faithful, and they were tender. And the problem was is that the people that God had put in charge over people, over tending people, were abusing their authority. They were taking the authority they were given and they were leveraging it for themselves. The idea of someone being a shepherd leader was eroding in society. And Ezekiel came down and he dealt with it. And it erodes today. In our case, we see it contributing, I believe, to racism. When I saw that officer with George Floyd, I had two thoughts. One is, is clearly here's someone who has some deep racial issues. He has some deep issues of racism and prejudice in his own heart. But I saw someone that had used the badge to promote his system. And, of course, we learned more and more about him, and we learned that he was leveraging his authority for his good over and over and over again. And I want you to hear this today. It's kind of our first statement today is is that injustice and division and violence occurs when people in positions of authority leverage their authority for selfish reasons. It happens when they leverage their authority, when we leverage our authority for selfish gain, for our purpose. This 
abuse of authority, we see it very obviously played out. We saw it played out in our culture with the, the Me Too movement. We see it played out in public office. We see it played out in politics. We see it played out. Listen, I want you to hear this, church. Lest we say it's just for those who have the title of someone who's in leadership, this is played out in our homes. We see it bubbled up with domestic violence and parenting. We see it played out in our streets, in our communities, in the business world. And I think we almost miss it. You see, abuse of authority can start small and it can seem innocent, but abuse of authority is never benign. And that's why God told Ezekiel to go deal with this. He told him to eradicate it. Abuse of authority can start small and seem innocent, but it's never benign. Abuse of authority is rarely contained to one single situation. Of course, we learned later that the, the officer that killed George Floyd had had multiple, multiple, multiple issues. Abuse of authority causes widespread damage that ripples into all facets of society. But church, I want you to hear this, is that everyone leads someone. Each of you are in a leadership position over someone. Each of you have been given authority over someone. And this series is, 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 is entitled, I Choose Love. And listen, church, we need to understand that whatever authority we've been given, whether it's titled or whether it's not titled, we, if we are going to choose love, are going to choose to take that authority that we're given. I don't like the word power, but let's use it for a moment. We're going to take the power that we've been given, and we are going to use it for someone else's good and for someone else's well-being. I remember the first time <laughs> as a kid, I had a, I had a sister that was three years old younger than me, um, Katie, and she's an amazing, amazing sister. Uh, she's three, three years younger than me. I, I might have said older there. She's three years younger than me. And I remember the first time that my parents left us for a while, and I remember my dad saying, hey, um, you're in charge. And I was like, sweet. I'm putting her to work. She's going to do all my chores, and I'm going to get the money, right? I'm going to get the allowance, right? Yeah, and I think I did. So just to be clear and upfront and honest, I think I probably did. It was the first time I remember having that mantle of power in church and so many more impactful, serious ways we as parents or those of you who are in law enforcement, police officers or politicians can use our authority to hurt someone or to help someone. And choosing love means that we use our authority to serve others. And it's my question to you today, whether it's in your home or whether it's in your place of business or whether it's in your school. And I realize there's a lot of questions about school this fall, but it will at some point in time be back. You, you, you will be there, whether it's in our community or in our church. Are you leveraging your authority for selfish reasons or for the good of others? It's the first prong of the authority issue that I believe that we have as people. It's the first prong that I believe that we have that promotes racism, that promotes not just racism, but the evils of society. 
and it's not limited to someone with a badge or a gun or a uniform. This cuts across all of society. Are you leveraging your authority for selfish reasons or for the good of others? The second prong is the rebellion that we have against authority. Now, we just have to face the reality that we've seen this played out in a very ugly way as a nation, haven't we? The response to racism, the natural response, unfortunately, for some people has been to go to violence. And we see it being played out in our cities. We see it being played out in, in uh, vandalism in our cities, in violence against other officers and against other, those who are involved in law enforcement. But we also see it being played out, I think, with COVID-19 and our response to COVID-19. We see this being played out under normal circumstances when we decide that, you know what, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to decidedly rebel against the authority that has been placed over me. And the Bible has something very clear to say about that. First of all, injustice, division, and violence, I believe, is fueled when those under authority rebel against authority. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve just decided that they, the one thing, the one rule that God put into place, that they would, they decided that they were going to rebel against the authority of God. And as heavy as that sounds and as much as we kind of want to snicker and point our finger at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and as much as we make the jokes about thanks Adam, thanks Eve, you know, uh, you know, we, and, you know there's all kind of fun stuff around that. The fact is, is that when we rebel against the authority that has been put in place over us, we too are doing the same thing that Adam and Eve did. And that is rebellion against God. Because who's in true authority over everything? It's him. It's him. Romans 13 speaks to this. And just a little context. This was in a day and age when um, this book that was written to the church in Rome, Rome was not a, uh, exactly a benevolent uh, government. Rome didn't have exactly a benevolent government. This was during a period of time when Rome was trying to reach into all of the world and expand their empire. And over the course of the first century, things got worse and worse and worse. The evils of society were being promoted and, and, and pushed um, through Rome and through the Roman Empire. And so this was written to a group of Christians who were in Rome. I want you to realize that, church, that this was written to the church in Rome and Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. You see, Paul, right out of the gates, is recognizing that the first authority that we have is God. And the ultimate authority that we have is God. But he's also recognizing that because God is in a position of the, being the ultimate authority, that those who are in a position of authority, we who are under that authority, should respect them. 
He says, let every person be subject, we'll talk about that word in a moment, to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. He put it pretty bluntly, didn't he? Those who resist will incur judgment. He didn't say that those who resist will be slapped in the hand. Those who resist will be thrown in jail. That did happen. Both of those things happen. Those who resist will be kind of taken aside and talked to sternly. He says that those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good. It does seem like it sometimes, doesn't it? It does. It's okay to say that. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. This is the second time that that word is mentioned. I'm going to come back to that word in a moment. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. That's the second time he's mentioned that word, subjection. Again, we'll talk about that in a moment. Not to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this also... Pay taxes. A lot of you don't want to hear this right now. For the authority, the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed him. And this is where uh, uh, we hear this. All taxes are owed. Revenues to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And we hear Jesus saying, render to Caesar what is Caesar and render to God what is God's. And so we have this whole discourse of, of Paul inspired by God's Holy Spirit to obey the authorities that have been put in place over us, and that is not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. It's not always easy. It's also not easy for a group of people who for years have had, um, had prejudice and um, they've, they've been at, at the wrong end of racism and violence in their own lives, and their own family's history. It's not easy for them, but at the same time, God calls us to be under authorities. The problem is, is that there's certain tensions for the Christ follower that exist. First and foremost is, is that we are both citizens of heaven and citizens of earth. We may have a driver's license that says South Carolina. We may have a passport that is a passport of the United States of America, and we come under that governing authority, but at the same time, we are citizens of heaven. Our home ultimately is heaven, and so there's a tension that exists. We also have a tension that exists because we are under the authority of the rule of Christ, and we are under the authority of those who are in positions of authority here on earth. We are to obey the law of God and the laws of our society. And so, church, we have to figure this out. We have to work through that tension. We have a clear responsibility to submit to both Christ and earthly authorities. We have that responsibility. 
whether we agree with it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we want to or not, that is the system that God has set up. It's the system that he's ordained. That word submit is used twice there. And the word submit literally means in this context in the original language to come under or to line up or to cooperate with or to help carry a burden. You see, part of being a good citizen and part of obeying the governing authorities is to help carry the load of the community and the world and the nation that we live in. And God calls us in Romans chapter 13 to help carry that burden. I don't know if you noticed, but twice in there, he mentions the governing authorities as servants. He uses the word servant. Now, I don't recommend this the next time that you uh, run into a police officer and get pulled over for speeding to use that word, all right? That's not what I'm saying at all. But Paul used that very specifically. Later on, he uses the word ministers. And for the longest time, people in public office or people in a position of authority were called ministers. And even today, in some places, they're called ministers because they served the public. Do you see how these two prongs of the issue of authority have to work in conjunction with each other? The one in authority respecting and, and, and caring for those that are under their authority and those under their authority obeying the authority? But it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy when they tell us we have to wear a mask. When they tell us that we have to be quarantined for two months. When they tell us that we can't be in a certain place at a certain time of day. Or when they tell us that we can't drive over a certain speed in our cars. We don't like it when they tell us what they think is best. And our view of best disagrees with it. But God has given us responsibility, church. God has given us the responsibility to come under, to be subject, to come in alignment with, to help cooperate with, to help carry a burden with those who have been put in positions of authority. I heard one pastor say this is why, regardless of whether he is in agreement with the administration that's in the White House or whether he disagrees with them, he will never publicly dishonor whoever is in that office. And I think that's a message that the church needs to hear, and I believe it's a message that we need to lead because, church, if we lead in this, we can help lead our society in this. I realize that there are times when what the government says and what those are in positions of authority say completely and directly goes against the word of God. And there are cases in God's word where we see God's people deciding because it's a specific thing that they're being asked to do to bow down to a certain God or to praise a certain king. And there are times when God calls his people to stand up against authority. But church, those cases are extremely limited to our world. Those cases are extremely limited. And that's why Paul gives this discourse that under 
most circumstances, we should choose to obey the governing authorities. See, choosing love means that those in a position of authority leverage their authority for the good of others under that authority. But choosing love means that those under authority submit themselves to those who are in authority. This is God's best. This is God's solution for the results of sin. This is God's solution and this is God's model that he set up that if we as a society would listen and if we would understand and if we would follow his lead, then maybe, maybe, maybe we might have a chance of truly working through some of these issues and truly making this world and others around us in a better place. See, I believe that we as God's people and we as a society, we have a greater potential for oneness and it will exist in our world when those who are in authority and those who are under authority would submit themselves to God's authority. If we would just submit ourselves to God's authority, I think it's amazing what he could do. If those who are in positions of authority would leverage their authority for good, I think it's amazing what God could do. I think that we could solve some of these problems. I think that we could help those who are helpless. I think we could help solve some of the deep-seated racial issues that we have. I think that we as a church and we as God's people and we in communities could solve some of the specific issues in our communities. We, if we understand that God set this up, that he is the one who is ultimately in authority. If we obey him, if we follow his lead, if we follow what he says, I think we can make a huge difference in our world. And we can even make a difference in eternity. Because I think people in that scenario and in that situation will come to Christ. I love the pastor Skip Hertzig, Pastor Skip Heitzig out of Calvary Chapel in, in Albuquerque. He, he talks about in a message that he delivered to his church a few years ago how there's a role of government, there's a rule of government, there's a reason for government, a response to government, and there are some times when we are supposed to be rivals against government. But I want to point out as I close today that Jesus didn't come to create some kind of cultural war. He didn't come to rebel specifically against societies, society and governments and those in authority, although there were times that he stood up. There were times he went in, by the way, to the religious authority and turned over the tables. That's the moment that we see him most upset is against those who are in a religious position of authority. Jesus didn't come to bring violence into this world. He came to bring salvation and he did it in a peaceful way. How the world would look different if we could find a way to peacefully solve the problems that we have in our world. What a difference we would make in our world if that happened. 
You know, one of the things that we've seen in our world over the past few months is violence against those who are in the authority of law enforcement. Now, I'm going to ask one of our own, I'm going to ask Terrence Rice to come on up here. Terrence, you can come up on stage here. I've asked Terrence to talk just a little bit about what this message means to someone who's in a position of authority himself as a law enforcement officer. And um, why don't you give it up for Terrence Rice? Come on, Terrence. Step up to the blue line, man. You guys see Terrence on Sunday morning, don't you? And I'm so glad that Terrence here is, uh, is with us. And uh, he is, uh, you are with our security company that provides security for us on Sunday mornings, man. I'm really glad that you're here. Thank you for helping protect us and being here every Sunday. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Glad you're here, man. Uh, Terrence served in the armed forces. He was uh, in the Navy for 10 and a half years. Is that right? That is correct. Traveled all over the world and helped uh, protect us. And uh, I want to thank you for your service, man, in the Navy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate thank you. it very much. Thank you. You're a delightful guy, and I I, uh, I miss giving you a big high five and a big hug, man. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna obey our governing authorities uh, by yes, not doing that. So, hey, let me ask you, Terrence, just from your viewpoint as as uh, someone who was in it was in law enforcement, um, and who has been in the military. Um, talk to me about what you see and how you see the abuse of authority played out. What's your perspective on that? What, how do you see? those who are in leadership, abusing their leadership position, contributing to some of these ills we've talked about, um, namely racism as well? I see it in a lot of different ways, both on the military side and on the security side. And more so, it's an abuse because the people that have the qualifications or the certain criteria to meet the next promotion level or the next step in their journey and their career, that they're overlooked mm. yep. by someone that doesn't necessarily have that criteria. Mm. And the person that has that criteria is left to feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. That they've been passed over, that they mm. are not worthy. Right, right. Overlooked. 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 So, so that, that, plays out, that plays itself out in, I'm sure, a myriad of ways that you've seen. Um, in, in so many different ways. I'm sure it plays it out internally. Uh, it plays it out in the system. And while we as a church can't fix that system, uh, we can be a part of, of the solution. I want to ask you, as, as someone who was in the military and provides law enforcement security services for us here, um, what, what is it, what does someone who's an officer who's in law enforcement, what do they feel what do they see when they see the violence that we've seen against other law enforcement officers? And, and I'm not at all justifying what we saw uh, with George Floyd or any of the other situations, but what, what, do you, what do they feel? What do they sense? What are they seeing? They sense fear because they sense the fear that we could be next. Yeah. We could be that person on TV. Yeah. We could be that person in the news mm. day in and day out, mm. which ultimately changes our lives forever. And it changes the lives of everyone we know. No doubt about it. And it puts a perspective on the people that we know that's unjust and undue. Do you think the result of that is gonna be fewer people that get into law enforcement in the future if we see it continuing the violence against uh, officers and those in law enforcement? 
I see it as people taking a second look at it being yeah. a career choice. Yeah. yeah. Not so much as they're not going to do it, but as a second choice. Absolutely. I understand that, man. I understand that. So one of the things that we talked about is today is the kind of the second prong of the uh, authority issue that we have is our society rebelling uh, against uh, those who are in authority. Um, does our cultural response in crisis, how does it affect um, the issue of race and racism? Does it, I mean, obviously, I, I believe it makes it worse. Do you see it that way? And how so, Terrence? I see it as both. Both, yeah. Because it sets everyone, it makes everyone take a step back okay. instead of everyone taking a step forward okay. to be able to fix the problem. Sure. When you take that step back, it stops the process of what's already been in place. It stops what everyone's already been talking about, what everyone's been preaching about. No doubt. It stops it. Right. And we have to hit the reset. So every, every time that happens, we have to press reset on any progress that we've made. Is Absolutely. that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I know you've seen that played out in so many different ways as well. Um, tell me what you, think, uh, what you think progress means, man. What does progress mean, Terrence, in terms of us being able as a society to, to solve the issue of racism and prejudice. You, you said taking steps forward. What are some of those steps forward and how do we get there? Taking steps forward is unity. Okay. All of us taking a step together, being one, being heard as one, not so much as the individual because individuals don't get things done, groups and unity do. Mm. I want you to hear that. Individuals don't get things done, groups, in unity get things done. Absolutely. What, what would you say to the fact that, man, we've tried to solve the issue of racism um, and prejudice for several centuries? What's gonna be our ultimate hope in being able to solve this issue from your perspective? Todd, the answer to that is gonna be the Lord our God. Yeah. He's gonna lead us where we can only ever imagine to go. Yeah. And um, without that, we are mm. just a body. Yeah, absolutely. I, I obviously completely agree, and I'm glad to hear you say that, man. I, I really appreciate um, your perspective on this, and um, we're going to be talking about that next week, the hope that we can have in him specifically to solve some of these issues that we see. Um, Terrence, man, thank you so much. Thank you for all thank that you, you do in our church. Thank you so much for what you do in our community, and thanks for your service to this country. I'm you are. I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning if you would join me in a word of prayer. God, I, uh, I just recognize that the issues that we have dealt with over these past few weeks are, are not easy. They're not easy to understand. God, we all come from different perspectives and different places. We all come from different backgrounds. And Father, it is very difficult to understand why in the world people act the way that they do. And God, for, for many within the sound of my voice, they've been the target of injustice. They've been the target of prejudice. They've been the target of racism. And God, Father God, I pray that you would be the one that solves that. God, I pray that they would look to you in their healing. God, that they would look to you for their help and they would look to you for their hope as we're gonna talk about next week. But God, it also is disconcerting to see those in positions of authority abuse their authority to leverage that for their good and not 
for the good of those that they have been entrusted with. And Father, we as your people confess that there have been times, whether it's in our homes or whether it's in our churches, in our communities, whether it's in government, in elected positions, that we have leveraged the authority that has been given to us for our own good. We've been like the people that Ezekiel spoke to, taking the best part of everything and leaving the scraps for the sheep. And Father, I pray that you, that your Holy Spirit right now would convict and challenge those who may be listening to this, who are in positions of authority, whether small or large. God, I pray that you would help us to use it for the good of others. And Father, I know as we see the response to racism, that we see the response that the many churches have had to, to some of the new laws and regulations that are just short-term, God, there's a rebellion against authority that is deep, and it can bubble up to the point of causing violence and vandalism. And God, I pray that we as the church would take the lead, that we would take the lead not just in our response, but God, we would take the lead in listening to those who have been put in authority so that we can model it for the rest of the world. God, that we would fall under, that we would be subject, that we would get in line, that we would help be a part of the solution and not further the problem. God, I pray for the world. I pray for those who are in the cities who are being the target, God, whether they're officers or National Guardsmen or those in military, those in direct leadership. Father, I pray that we, as your people, would remember them often in our prayers. That even when we disagree with those that you've put in authority, Father, I pray that we would respect them. And I pray that we would model this. And I pray that we would lead in this. And God, we pray as a church, a capital C and Hilton Head Island Community Church, that you would help us to choose love. That you would help our world to solve some of these problems that we see Father, I pray for real and lasting change in our world. And God, most of all, we thank you for Jesus, who despite all the sin and the results of it here on this side of heaven, has given us the gift of eternal life by dying on the cross. And God, I thank you so much that ultimately we come under your authority, God. Father, I pray that each and every day we would wake up remembering that. Help us to choose love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.